Hey, and welcome to the Mickey in Minutes podcast, the short Disney show. I'm your host, Nick Lazaga, and this is episode 16, my Walt Disney World trip report with Festival of the Arts and more. Now that everybody's here, I think it's time to start the day. And that means it's time for just a little bit of magic. Look, Figment, some new friends have joined us. Can they imagine too? Of course! Imagination is something that belongs to all of us. You mean everyone can think up new things. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I just know there's something bigger out there. I want to know, can you show me? I want to know about these strangers like me. The hardest part of a Disney vacation is coming back home. But the best part of coming home from Disney is all the memories and fun stories you bring back with you. I recently returned from a quick weekend getaway to Walt Disney World and I'm still trying to adjust to normal life again. We were there for two and a half days of pure magic. We experienced some new things at Disney Springs, Festival of the Arts at Epcot, and a lovely day at the Magic Kingdom. On this episode, I'm going to give you my trip report. I'm going to tell you about all the amazing things I got to experience, how we managed those crazy crowds, and about some new tips and tricks that I picked up on this trip because even a Disney veteran like myself still has a lot to learn. So let's start from the beginning. My wife and I flew to Orlando on Allegiant Air. You might not have heard of this airline because it's not one of the big names, but that doesn't mean it was bad. The planes were nice, as were the terminals, and we saved a lot of money by flying with Allegiant. But there are some things you should know about it. It only flies to certain cities on certain days and times, so you have to be very flexible with your plans. We got a nice afternoon flight to Orlando, but our return flight was at 6.45 a.m. It flew to Orlando from our city, but only on Mondays and Fridays, which worked out perfectly for our travel plans. Also, they charge for every carry-on and do not have complimentary beverage and snack services. But honestly, even with all those extra fees, our round trip for both of us cost less than a single flight on most other airlines, so we felt like it was totally worth it. The other issue with this airline is that it doesn't fly into the big MCO airport. It flies into the smaller Orlando Stanford Airport, which means that you cannot use Disney's Magical Express from the airport to your resort. But luckily for us, we have family that live in the Orlando area, so they were able to pick us up and drive us to our resort. So that's something else for you to consider if you're thinking about flying Allegiant to Disney. Anyways, we stayed at the Walt Disney World Swan Resort. This is one of the Epcot area resorts, however, it is not owned by Disney. It is actually a Marriott resort. It was designed by architect Michael Graves and opened on January 13, 1990 as part of what Michael Eisner called the Disney Decade which was a time of great expansion in the Walt Disney World Resort. This resort was very nice and it had a sophisticated contemporary style, but in my opinion, it definitely lacked that Disney magic. Since it's technically not a Disney resort, you cannot use your magic bands as your room key, but it had all the other Disney perks like bus transportation to all the theme parks and Disney Springs and access to the extra magic hours. 
the room was spacious and the beds were comfy, but the best part was the view from our room. It was amazing. You can see Tower of Terror to the right and the boardwalk to the left. My favorite thing about the Swan though is its prime location in the Epcot area. It's just a quick walk away from Disney's Boardwalk Resort, which has lots of great food and entertainment. And if you keep on walking through the boardwalk, you'll end up right at Epcot's back door, also known as the International Gateway. We definitely took advantage of this location on this trip. So we got to the Swan at around 6.30pm on Friday. We put our stuff in the room, freshened up, and then took a relaxing stroll over to the boardwalk. This got us right in the Disney mood, and also got us reminiscing about a time when we stayed there for our engagement trip. From there, we hopped a bus over to Disney Springs. Disney Springs has become a must-do for us every trip. If you've never been there before, or haven't been there in the last few years, you really should check it out. It's so much more than a big shopping mall, like some people like to call it. It's a dining and entertainment destination. Our favorite place to go when we're in Disney Springs is Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar. This is a bar themed to Indiana Jones. If you aren't a big Indiana Jones fan, then you might not remember this character as he was only in one movie for like one scene. But he's the pilot that flies Indy away from the attacking natives at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And as the story goes at Disney Springs, Jock fell in love with this little spot in Florida and decided to build a hangar for his plane there and settle down. He eventually turned the hangar into a bar and decorated it with artifacts and items that he and Indy picked up on their adventures. For an Indiana Jones fan, this place is like heaven. Everywhere you look, there's something amazing to see, including a couple hidden references to one of my other favorite movies of all time, The Rocketeer. We never miss a chance to sit in there with a good drink and just soak in all the incredible theming. Even the drinks are well themed. I always get a drink called the Cool Headed Monkey, which comes in this really awesome monkey head cup, which is, you know, a reference to Temple of Doom when they had the chilled monkey brains. I finally bought that souvenir cup, by the way, and it looks amazing on my nerd shelf. My wife always gets a drink called the Anything Goes, which is served in a classier glass and is also a reference to the Temple of Doom. From there, we had dinner at Art Smith's Homecoming. This is one of our favorite restaurants on property. It's southern comfort food with a Florida farm theme. The fried chicken sandwich is delicious and their macaroni and cheese is a perfect complement to it. If you like this kind of food, then I highly recommend this restaurant. We ate there on our last two trips and we'll probably eat there again next time. It's amazing. Every time we go to Disney, we like to try at least one new thing. And about a month before our trip, a new restaurant slash bar opened at Disney Springs called The Edison. So we decided to check it out. It's a steampunk themed restaurant with three full bars, live entertainment, and many different sitting areas, each with its own feel. These areas are known as the Ember Parlor, the Telegraph Lounge, the Patent Office, the Tesla Room, the Radio Room, the Waterfront Patio, and the Lab. The backstory is that this place used to be a power plant. So inside you see lots of big exposed gears and boiler room equipment. And there are these projectors and screens all around showing weird old black and white cartoons and slapstick comedies. It's very strange, but somehow it all works. When we went, it was about 10 o'clock on a Friday night, so it was 21 and older. There was a live band playing covers ranging from Michael Jackson to some pop music of today, but they had a saxophone player and that gave them a fun and unique sound. There were also some cabaret dancers which fit the theme really well. And even though it was 21 and older, it's still Disney, so it wasn't very risque at all. 
When all the live entertainers took a break, a DJ took over, and that was my only complaint about the Edison. The theming was amazing and the cocktails were delicious, but once the DJ started blasting contemporary club music, it lost its vintage vibe and killed the mood for me. But besides that, it's a really cool place and we had a great time there. Then we went back to our hotel to get some sleep because we planned on getting an early start for Epcot the next day. 60 days before our trip, we made all of our FastPass Plus selections. For Epcot, we booked Frozen Ever After at 10am, Spaceship Earth at 11.25, and Mission Space at 12.45. The park opened at 8am that day, so we gave ourselves plenty of time to get there at Rope Drop right when the park opened so that we can go straight to Soarin'. Since Soarin', Frozen, and Test Track are all the same FastPass tier, we had to make a choice. So we figured that if we can get there early enough, we wouldn't have to wait long for Soarin', and that's exactly what we did. So on Saturday morning, we walked to Epcot from the Swan and walked right into the park through the International Gateway. We ended up getting there at exactly 8am and we walked straight back to Soren. By the time we got there, we only ended up having to wait about 15 minutes to ride. Then we were able to hop right on living with the land. That is such an underrated attraction and is right next to Soren. It takes you through the greenhouses where they actually grow many of the fruits and vegetables that are served in restaurants all around Walt Disney World. And by the way, if this really piques your interest, you can extend your time in Living with the Land by signing up for the Behind the Seeds Tour. This is a tour further into the gardens and greenhouses led by cast members who are part of the botanical team at the land. I've never actually done this tour, but my cousin and her boyfriend did, and they said it was really great. After Living with the Land, we still had time to go over to the Fountain View Starbucks and grab a coffee before having to head to our first Fast Pass. This just shows you how much you could actually get done before the crowds arrive later in the morning. And believe me, they did. Since it was Festival of the Arts, they had so much extra fun stuff to check out all around the park. So we took our coffee and took a walk. In front of the fountain, there were these living statues that were hilarious to take selfies with. And in the Odyssey, they had a gallery set up showing the poster art of Disney parks. I am obsessed with Disney attraction posters, so this was so amazing to see. There were old and new posters and even some rare ones on display. Also in the Odyssey at that very same time, there was a lecture being given by David Bossert, author of the book Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, The Search for the Lost Disney Cartoons. He was showing very rare and previously unseen Oswald the Lucky Rabbit shorts and talking about the history of Oswald. It was so cool! We could have stayed in there for hours, but we had our frozen fast pass to get to, and that attraction is always a delight. After that we planned on meeting up with some family that was also at Epcot that day so we could all ride Spaceship Earth together. But the ride was offline for a little bit, so we had to change our plans. You never know when a ride will go down during the day, so you always have to have a backup plan. The good thing is that if you have a fast pass for an attraction and it goes down during your window, they will honor your fast pass at any time for the rest of the day. So you just have to keep checking back for it to reopen so you can redeem your fast pass. That's when we decided to do a couple of our other favorite Epcot things. We visited Figment in the Imagination Pavilion, drank some disgusting Beverly at Club Cool, and even got to see the Jaminators perform. If you don't know about Beverly or the Jaminators, check out Mickey and Minutes episode 8. 35 things I love about Epcot. On that episode, I talk about those and a bunch of other random and awesome things in honor of Epcot's 35th anniversary that took place back in October of 2017. Then we redeemed our fast pass for Mission Space and selected the green team 
which is the less intense version, so we could experience the brand new mission that takes you around our big blue planet. It was pretty cool. While walking around, we saw another really cool Festival of the Arts thing. Chalk art. There were some really awesome chalk pictures all over the ground of Future World East. We even got to see some of the artists at work. I'll post some pictures of these on mickeyandminutes.com in the show notes for this episode. A while before our trip, we booked a special dining package that included lunch at a restaurant of our choice from a select list and guaranteed preferred seating for what was, in my opinion, the main attraction of Festival of the Arts, the Disney on Broadway concert. We chose to eat at Coral Reef. That is the nice seafood restaurant in the Seas with Nemo and Friends Pavilion. The food was delicious and we were near these giant panoramic windows that gave a beautiful view of all the sea life in the largest saltwater environment ever built. We even saw several sharks. And we got to see the scuba divers feeding the fish. It was really neat. The only downside to this meal was that the service was really slow. I actually think our waiter may have forgotten to put our order in. But he made up for it later by giving us special fast passes that we could use at any attraction except Frozen at any time of the day. So we got to use it later that night at Test Track, which rounded out our trifecta of Epcot e-tickets for the day. Each of our meals included an appetizer, a specialty non-alcoholic drink, an entree, and a dessert. All that, plus the guaranteed preferred seating for the concert, was only about $60 a person. It was totally worth it. We decided to take our dessert to go, which led to one of my favorite moments of the entire trip. We found a nice spot on a high top table on the promenade right by World Showcase Lagoon and enjoyed our delectable desserts. There was a cool breeze and the perfect view of World Showcase. It was one of those magical moments that you just can't plan. We spent the rest of the day enjoying all the fun things that were unique to Festival of the Arts. We got to paint part of a giant mural of figment floating through space. This was a paint by numbers, so we got a small cup of paint with a number on it and painted the squares with the corresponding number that color. It was really cool to contribute to a big piece of art like that. We also got to be in some famous pieces of art, like the Mona Lisa and the Scream. These were these fun photo spots around World Showcase that actually made it seem like you were in the painting. I'll share some of mine on mickeyandminutes.com in the show notes for this episode. When you entered Epcot, along with your park map, you also got a free festival passport. In this little book was information about the festival, like what there was to see, do, and eat. There was also a guide to the Festival of the Arts Art Walk. This was super fun. In the World Showcase Pavilion, there were unique galleries and cultural displays that you could look for. And by each display, there was a little art walk palette that had a raised design and some crayons. In your festival guide, for each country, there was a page with information about the display and a blank square, so you can use the crayon to make a rubbing of the design. It was like a game trying to find all of them, and it was a really fun way to get people into the pavilions and looking at the art of all those cultures. We had a blast doing this, but we didn't get to finish. We only missed two of them. Oh well. It was then almost time for the Disney on Broadway concert. But before we headed to the America Gardens Theater, we went all the way back to the front of the park to redeem our postponed Fast Pass for Spaceship Earth. A visit to Epcot would not be complete 
without a ride on the grand and miraculous spaceship. But then we had to hurry all the way to the opposite end of the park. We thought that a World Showcase Lagoon friendship boat would be a quick way to get across, but pro tip, it's not. It's a relaxing boat ride through the lagoon and it gives you a unique view of World Showcase, but never hop on it if you're in a hurry. But we made it to the American Pavilion and showed our special pass to completely bypass the line and sit in the front row of an almost completely full theater. It was awesome. The concert was amazing. There were different Disney Broadway performers on each weekend of the festival, each performing different sets, but I think we hit the jackpot. We got to see Ashley Brown and Josh Strickland perform. They referred to themselves as the originals because she was the original Mary Poppins on Broadway and he was the original Tarzan on Broadway. Both were incredible singers. It was so cool how they could just be talking to the crowd at one point and then get completely in character the next. It was a truly breathtaking experience and the highlight of the entire festival for me. Their set included songs from Mary Poppins and Tarzan, obviously, but they also performed songs from The Little Mermaid, Newsies, and Beauty and the Beast, which Ashley Brown also played Belle in on Broadway for a little while. The whole show was about 30 minutes of pure Disney magic. And you just can't leave Epcot without seeing Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. We were lucky enough to be able to grab a fast pass for this late in the day. So here's another quick pro tip. Don't book a fireworks viewing fast pass in your initial three 60 days out unless it's something you really want the perfect view for and you don't want to claim your spot 30 minutes to an hour before. But check back often during the late afternoon or evening after you use all the fast passes for attractions you want for that park, and you might find some. Sometimes people who have firework viewing fast passes drop them in favor of another attraction during the day. For fireworks like illuminations, a fast pass is used for entry into a preferred viewing area. So if you want the best seat in the house for illuminations, then go for it. But there are a lot of great viewing areas all around the World Showcase Lagoon. But remember, if you don't have a fast pass and you really, really want that perfect spot, you're probably going to have to claim your spot about an hour to 30 minutes before the show. We had such a great day at Epcot and really enjoyed all the Festival of the Art stuff, including all the tents set up around the park showcasing and selling art from many extremely talented artists, many of whom were actually there talking to guests and signing prints. There was so much amazing high quality Disney art there. I wanted to buy everything. But don't worry if you missed it. Remember that you can see and purchase beautiful Disney artwork at the two Disney Gallery locations in Disney Springs and Epcot. The only thing we did not get to do at Festival of the Arts was eat some of the special food items. There were booths set up with unique and artistic looking food all around World Showcase, but we had such a big lunch that we just weren't hungry enough to snack. So we only had one day on this trip to experience the festival, and we did a lot, but it's impossible to see and do and taste everything in just one day. I think next year we'll have to dedicate at least a couple of days to this beautiful festival. When we left Epcot, we walked back through the International Gateway and onto the boardwalk, where we had some late night pizza from the boardwalk pizza window. It was a great way to end the night, and the pizza was pretty good too.
when you do Disney the way we do, don't expect to sleep too much until you get back home. We were up again just a few hours later to be at the Magic Kingdom for Rope Drop at 8 a.m. We got there in time to see the new Let the Magic Begin welcome show on the castle stage that debuted back in January of 2017. This show replaced the one that used to run at the train station for many years. Although I missed that classic show, this one was really great and brought in the storyline of the royals at the Magic Kingdom. We then followed the plan that I described back in Mickey and Minutes episode 13. Check out that show to hear how I planned out this day 60 days earlier. Like always, my plan worked perfectly, although the park was already crowded due to the early morning private event. Events like these can really change the way you see the park in the mornings, so always check the park hours and plan accordingly. If there is an event that morning, plan on giving yourself an extra 30 minute head start so that you are there at the front of the rope drop crowd. This will allow you to get to your first ride as quickly as possible and wait the least amount of time for it. We started off with a flight to Neverland on Peter Pan's flight, then a visit with the children of the world on It's a Small World, followed by a swinging wake at the Haunted Mansion. From there we walked over to Frontierland where we met a couple of the country bears before we rode that runaway mine train at Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. BTMR Pro Tip, the back of the train on Big Thunder is way better. The front always slows down a lot before each drop. The back is much smoother and a much more consistent ride experience. Also this is one of those rides that is way better at night, which we got to experience later on. Then it was a quick walk over to Caribbean Plaza. There we sailed with the wildest crew that ever sacked the Spanish main on the classic Pirates of the Caribbean. I was very happy to see the redhead scene one last time. This classic scene will be redone to show a strong redhead female pirate instead of a bride auction. I'm all for girl power, but we wants the redhead will always have a special place in my memories. By the pound? Shift your cargo, dearie. Show them your larboard side. We want the ready. Belay there, you folks will swap. At this point, it was about 11 o'clock and we had already done five of the most popular attractions in the park. It was time for one of our favorite things to do at the Magic Kingdom that is not on a times guide. Hubgrass and chill. So we got a delicious Starbucks at the Main Street Bakery and just sat on the hubgrass. That is the artificial turf in the middle of the central hub in front of the castle. It's a perfect place to relax with a snack and just enjoy the sights and sounds of the Magic Kingdom. We even got to see part of the Move It, Shake It, Dance It, Play It street party. After some rest and refueling, we went to Tomorrowland to redeem our second fast pass of the day, Space Mountain. Remember how I mentioned that the park was already busy when we got there in the morning? Well, by this point, the park was packed. You know it's a busy day at MK when there's a 20 minute wait for the people mover. We noticed even at Epcot and Disney Springs that there were hundreds of cheerleaders all around Walt Disney World this weekend. We realized that there was a national cheer competition at Disney's wide world of sports going on. That plus Festival of the Arts made for an extremely crowded weekend at Walt Disney World. But if you plan your fast passes correctly and take time to just enjoy the atmosphere, you can manage these crowds without getting too stressed out. So after doing our favorites in Tomorrowland, including the Carousel of Progress, we headed over to our laughing place for a soaking wet ride on my favorite attraction, Splash Mountain. Then we headed to our dining reservation at Be Our Guest. Pro tip, 
you can bypass the ordering line by doing mobile ordering on the My Disney Experience app. If you do this, you will be seated right away and your food will come out to you soon after. You can do this for many of the counter service restaurants all around Walt Disney World. So after you use your third fast pass, you can keep making them one at a time until the end of the night. So we did this, getting attractions like the Jungle Cruise, Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid, and more. We also waited for some of the other attractions like Mickey's Philhar Magic, the Mad Tea Party, and Dumbo. By the evening, the crowd started to thin out and we were able to hop on some of the big rides again with shorter wait times. We paid one more visit to the Redhead at Pirates of the Caribbean and hung out with the 999 Happy Haunts at Haunted Mansion again. We decided to not watch the fireworks in front of the castle this time because, pro tip, during the fireworks, the lines for the attractions are much, much shorter because people are watching the show. So we waited in a very short line for Big Thunder Mountain and redeemed one last fast pass for Splash Mountain, which led to my favorite memory of the entire trip. We saw fireworks while going down the big drop. I was watching fireworks in my favorite place, on my favorite ride, with my favorite person. I was in awe, and I have the ride photo to prove it. It was perfect. We closed out the night with one more ride on It's a Small World and one last trip to Neverland on Peter Pan's flight. Our day came full circle and it was magical. By the time we got off Peter Pan, the park was officially closed. But we didn't leave just yet. We took a relaxing stroll down the beautifully lit Main Street USA, walked through the shops, and were among the last people to order food at Casey's Corner. So we sat outside, ate some delicious mini corn dogs, and stared down a nearly completely empty main street at the beautifully lit castle. We saw the emotional kiss goodnight, and were one of the last people to stroll out of the park over an hour after park closing. It was the perfect ending to a wonderful Walt Disney World weekend getaway. Well, I hope you enjoyed my trip report of my magical Festival of the Arts weekend getaway. When life gets real busy, it's so important to take some time out and visit your happy place. And mine is obviously Walt Disney World. We were able to pack so much fun into just two and a half days at Disney, but we didn't even scratch the surface of what the Vacation Kingdom has to offer. What are your must-dos on a quick trip to Walt Disney World? Let me know on Twitter at Mickey and Minutes. Also, did you get to go to Festival of the Arts this year? What are your thoughts on it? Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to the show, you guys. If you liked it, please rate it and review it on iTunes, and tell your fellow Disney friends about it. Look out for another episode very soon. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Mickey and Minutes. Find us on YouTube for some Disney trivia and other fun videos, and check out MickeyandMinutes.com for show notes, blog posts, and more. Thanks again for listening to the Mickey and Minutes podcast. I'll see you next time. Bye.